0: Yeah, it's a tremendously exciting, uh, gratifying, and probably mostly just um, just a humble moment uh, for me and, and certainly for the team because uh, sort of as we have talked about today, we didn't necessarily know. I didn't necessarily know it was going to lead to this tremendous moment, right? Uh, but it, it naturally, I think, led there, and you have always – You're listening been- to
1: one of my team members, Matt Gartland, who I have on the show today, to make a huge announcement with you. Uh, about the SPI brand, about where I am in business and about where we are in business. Matt's been on my team for quite a while and some of you may not even know what our relationship exactly is and my relationship with the team is. And I'm just gonna tell you up front right here before we get into it, that up until January 1st, I was the only employee of my business, Flindistries LLC. Even though I had a team, I was still the only employee on paper. I'm going to run through exactly how my business was structured. I'm going to run through exactly where it's going to go. But we're going to spend the first half, me and Matt, talking about what his superpower is and really why I love working with Matt. And that is business operations and how the inner workings of your business should, uh, should progress and how they should be organized. And, you know, not every business is the same, but there's a lot of principles that you will be able to take away from this episode and Matt's expertise as a, a manager, as a, director, as professional uh, that you will enjoy, that you will find useful. We're going to talk about our sprints, meaning how we as a team tackle larger projects and chunk them up. We're going to talk about how we handle finances. We're going to talk about how we handle you know hiring people and all that good stuff. So a pretty meaty conversation we're going to have. Make sure you stick around to the end because we got a huge announcement about where things are going now in the business which uh, may be a little bit surprising to some of you. So we'll see. I'd love to know what you think. But we'll get to that in a minute. For now, cue the music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he and his son have earned a victory royale in Fortnite, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. Welcome to session 354 of the Smart Passive Income podcast. My name is Pat Flynn. If you don't know, I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And the goal of this podcast really is to help you grow and scale your business. If you haven't started yet, how to get started in the right direction. And a lot of the conversation we're gonna have today with my friend and birthday mate, and I say that because we literally have the same exact birthday on the same year. It was really weird when we found this out, but uh, we share birthdays, which is kind of cool. But I think we're connected in way more ways than that because we just love the work that we do together. We love what we are putting out. He and I are also partners in SPI Labs, which controls the smart podcast player, and uh, we, just, we just have a lot of fun together. But as you can see, and you'll be able to tell, um, there are moments during this conversation where I literally say, like, I would never do what you do, and it just bores me to death. And you're going to see how we are able to complement each other, and hopefully this may inspire you to, when you start to add more people onto your team or perhaps start to train the people who are on your team already how to be able to blend together in a way that can help the mission of your brand and uh, offer more value to your audience so you can make more money, so you can serve more people, so you can be more successful, and all those great things. So let's get right into the conversation today with my fellow team member, the one and only Matt Gartland. Here he is. Matt, welcome to the SPI podcast. Thank you so much for being here today, man. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, you were back on a while a while ago, and you were featured in another interview with a few other people related to team, and a lot of you may, who are listening to this now, may recognize Matt and his name, Matt Gartland, as uh, you know, somebody who worked for me. Uh, I would call him my project manager for a while, but um, you've done so much more, and we are going much bigger in the future, and I wanted to spend this episode to talk to you about just kind of where things were, where things are going how you are involved and hopefully inspire others who are listening to realize just how important building a team can be and how it doesn't all have to happen overnight, but also inspire you to to share with you like where it could potentially go. Um For people who don't know you, Matt, and kind of your background, how did you even get involved with digital marketing and, and business in the first place? Like, let's take everybody back uh before this all kind of, before you and I met even.
0: Yeah, that's a, a great Sort of reference point because it's been about seven years for me. I had just chosen to leave my enterprise career, uh, where I was uh, an IT leader for Johnson and Johnson for the first six and a half years of my professional career, right out of school, and had just become enamored with the web with sort of this, uh, the confluence of web technologies and content, because even in school, when I was studying sort of the the dawn of the web and in, in modern technologies, computer science classes, I was taking classes about Roman history and Greek mythology, and media, and just love storytelling. So when blogging really boomed in the mid 2000s, I saw an opportunity there to see uh, and pursue some new growth for my professional career. Left and started an agency, and that became Winning Edits. And we started first
1: agency name that you had.
0: Yes, yep, precisely right. And uh, first and foremost, we started with books because self-publishing was booming. And more and more people, such as yourself eventually, you know, started to harness these technologies and platforms and started to, to publish on their own. So self-publishing and the dawn of independent publishing was a great sort of foray into digital media. And then that eventually grew into helping podcasters on podcasts, I grew into helping with web content, blog strategies, and email marketing strategies, and writing email sequences. So it kind of became uh, natural growth into more of a sort of full-fledged creative agency or kind of digital media agency.
1: Right, which is why it was initially called, like I said, Winning Edits, which was to help people with the editing and the process of book writing, which is where we connected first with my book Let Go in 2013. I hired you as an editing team to, to kind of help me through that process. And it was just such a great experience working with you. Then we kind of put our heads together to see what else we can do. And you offered, okay, well, what else can we do for you? And then, like you said, it kind of grew into everything else. So although it's called Winning Edits, it's really like a full-on agency that helps with all sort of creative things that entrepreneurs have been able to do, uh, and even offline uh, as well. So it's just been an amazing journey to follow us because a lot of you might not know that Matt was one of the first people I had ever hired to work for me, and it was for my book, Let Go. But then through that, uh, he and I started to work together more for other projects, like uh, we did some courses, We did some other uh, web related projects together. And a lot of you might not know this about me, but um, Matt was the person who then was able to find Mindy, who you may know edits uh, my podcast and takes care of a lot of the systems uh, behind the scenes for me. Um, Through Mindy, I found Jess, who is my executive assistant, who many of you have spoken to or have communicated with via email, and Jana, my project manager for all things SPI uh, was through you as well. So you've, you've been an instrumental part in the growth of Team Flynn, but here's the craziest part. I had still been a solopreneur, the only employee of Flynn Industries, up until January 1st of this year, because I, instead of hiring employees, which I was very scared to do, I found it was a great solution to just hire Matt and his agency to essentially become team Flynn and then Matt you were the one to take care of all the paperwork the hiring the firing and, and all that stuff and I just I just had to pay the agency which was perfect for me and it's been a wonderful relationship all these years. When you created Winning Edits did you ever think that like it would turn into something like that like a full-fledged support system for a personality and a blogger and a brand like mine or like where had you envisioned it going initially?
0: Uh, well, first, definitely not. I hadn't envisioned this. so uh, I think that speaks to just the entrepreneurial spirit that drives a lot of us to to do our own thing and you do have vision, of course. so so you start with a projection of of a certain industry, you want to be in a certain skill, you want to start to develop more a certain impact you want to make and all that's rooted in value. So with the folks I started to work with in the online space and just build relationships with, even that weren't per se in a, in a professional or definitely in a professional sense, but not in a, in a contracted sense, I, they weren't hiring me, but getting to know Steve cam and Adam Baker, uh, folks like that, you know, in the space was just phenomenal. And I knew that I wanted to contribute more of my expertise around team building, around leadership in general in business, uh, certainly build my own skills in, in that capacity. So I wanted an opportunity to to run my own thing, to bring really talented people into the mix. Uh, I love team building as a real almost art form, uh, how you really recruit for talent, train and develop and inspire that talent around common goals and visions and be able to, at the end of the day, produce results, right? And being in in the digital media space where we can move quickly and we can launch websites and develop courses like you're mentioning uh, breakthrough blogging, I think was the first one that we were working on together. Uh, You know, it, it made such a gratifying imprint on myself to be able to to work on this sort of digital canvas across these media types. And I knew that that's where I wanted to go, but I didn't know how far I was going to go. I didn't know how big it might get. Uh, I didn't ultimately know where it would take me outside of the fact that I wanted to stay at that intersection of kind of content and commerce online with these digital platforms. It certainly led me to meeting you and... And I think you know one important thing to to kind of mention here uh, in terms of our story and our relationship and how it's grown is that nothing was ever forced. It was all very natural. It's like where could I help you, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and you said as much coming out of the the Let Go Project uh, with all of our clients over the years. It's never been forced. Uh, I almost sort of say as a joke that I'm a pretty bad sales guy because I don't I don't like that sort of conventional approach to sales. I don't want to force anything. If we can add value and we can help you, let's let's please have a conversation about it. And if anything never feels right no hard feelings, like that's okay, like, you know, we'll step back. So, uh, so with the folks we've worked with, uh, you know, some some awesome brands, you know, recently, uh, Courtney Carver, uh, be more with less in the minimalism um, space, like we try to add value where we can. And, and that's led to obviously doing a lot with you, Pat, and it's been, you know, just about the most remarkable, uh, grateful experience of my career.
1: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. And, you know, I had always envisioned that I was going to be a one man show. And that's kind of, why it's called Smart Passive Income. Like, Let's create these systems and uh, find the tools to make everything automated. But I eventually found out that I couldn't do A, everything on my own and B, it's not just about the tools. There's a lot of human touches and, and people that are needed to grow and scale and run a business. Now, I was by myself for nearly six years before I started working with people. So that's not to say you should hire a team right away. I felt it very valuable to work on things on my own, to edit my own podcast, to edit my own blog and create my own website like that was all very valuable but it it, kind of almost made me appreciate more what it was like to hire people who could do those things better and faster than me and it made it worth the time and the money to uh, find those people and obviously pay those people as well and you know you were really huge in the development of me understanding that I could actually hand things off and things would still be taken care of because you are, and like I said earlier, you were initially coming on in my eyes and in, in my head as like the project manager, the person who I was the idea guy and you would be the sort of implementation. Let's get everything organized and Pat, I'll let you know when I need you for the implementation of this thing. And it's just kind of grown to become that. But then so much more. Now you are in charge of things like the other members of the team, the HR related things, the the business side of things a lot of the finance side of things as well and um, again it's just like i think about what it was like when i first started no i, I didn't even think i would ever have a team like i have now but um, it's been so important and as as far as like the bigger goals that i have with flincon coming up the big ambitions to help make a change in education i wouldn't be able to a get this far but b even think that far ahead without a team behind me and i think what, what i want to ask you first matt for everybody who's listening right now is when it comes to team building and a lot of the solopreneurs who are listening right now, I know they're on the fence of like their first hire and finding people to help them. What would you say in terms of those people who really want to make an impact and balancing starting a team which costs money and it takes time to learn how to manage those people versus just the perhaps ceiling that they're at now with only doing things themselves? How how do you help a person through those decisions with finding other people to help them?
0: I think the first thing that you need to do is to embrace empathy and try uh, and and start with some measured risk. I, I think that as entrepreneurs, uh, as business owners, you can never avoid risk completely. So so do start reaching out to folks and asking for first and foremost, sort of one-on-one introductions. Uh, the the big sites that are out there where you can sort of search and post job wrecks and, and firing freelancers are great. And I'm not disparaging of that. But I think that if you can get Personally verified, you know, introductions like quite frankly, you and I had, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you didn't find me through some job posting uh, website. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Adam Baker that that made the introduction um, you know, between us. So if you can find people that you know and trust to give a very verified recommendation, then take that risk and put them on contract. Definitely recommend a contractor status first, uh, especially for first time solopreneurs that are inviting other people into their orbit so do a three-month project a six-month project do that as a 1099 contractor uh and especially for folks that are sort of yeah the quote-unquote idea guy you know step a little bit further down the road there and and you know be sensitive to the contract you know get Get uh, excited even about some of the details and try to work on you know okay what does success look like? How do we define success together? Uh, so that the outcome of this project, whether it's a fixed project or whether there's some sort of kind of continuity to the engagement, uh, sometimes those materialize as retainers or other forms of agreements. Uh, I think being united in in, the, in a common definition of what success looks like to both parties, you know, continues to foster goodwill. Uh, it continues to align incentives. It continues to promote value exchange because uh, value at the end of the day has to be at the center of everything. Uh, you know, that's the surf first ethic that obviously you champion. Um, it's imbued in a lot of the core values that I've had, you know, through my career, uh, through winning edits, through my other agency that was in the e-commerce space. You know, so long as we can, at the end of the day, feel good about the hard work that we put in and the value exchange, that's where you start. Uh, don't rush into hiring people. Uh, I, I don't think, unless maybe you're listening to this and you're raising venture capital and you're in the tech space and you're, you know, going to build the next great startup and you've been really successful with fundraising, then, you know, that's sort of a different conversation. Um, and I have some little experience there where okay if you have major investment you're going to need to hire a lot of people and that needs to be full-time focus I don't think that's the conversation we're having today I think this is about trying to build um, dare I say lifestyle businesses right things that maybe grow a little more organically and slowly um, and then build trust with each other through these sort of you know stepping stone experiences and toward what might become you know a, a more permanent longer lasting relationship
1: when it comes to hiring I know one of the hardest things to do is find the right people and you've always Impressed me with how you've been able to hire people that just seem to fit my mission, our culture with SPI, and everybody else who's already on the workforce. How do you? How do you even start that process? Um, let's say people listening—it's them and one other person—but they're ready for their next hire. It's such a scary thing to like insert a new person into their lives who they're going to be working with. How do you find that person? I know you said recommendations and things like that, but let like how do you even? How do you even? know they're gonna fit in not just like with doing those tasks, but like into the culture and into just the mission of the brand overall.
0: Yeah, great question. Uh I suppose there's a couple dimensions here. One is first and foremost, know yourself. Know yourself first going into it. So what what is your mission? Have you written it down? What are your core values? Have you taken the time to really critically think through what those things are to you, you know, and write those things down. And you know, what is even the business plan for the year, right? Um, and and to accomplish that business plan, so that the business plan fulfills the mission, what sort of talent do I need to bring to bear to accomplish the work that supports the plan that supports the mission? So these things stack, uh, and I think first and foremost, as you, you and I have worked on together for SPI, and and it's always maybe a, a work in progress, but you know, getting these things down on paper so that you can communicate this and you can say to a potential. Candidate that is interested to work for you and with you, that, like, hey, this is what success looks like at your company. This is what we believe in. These are our core values, whether those, you know, our core values are just three or five. Um, so, knowing it yourself so that you can clearly articulate it as part of the recruiting process and then even further down the road so that you can hold people accountable. Accountability. Um, when we speak of culture, cultivating culture, nurturing culture, and then expanding that culture, especially when you have a distributed team like we do, uh, and as like most workforces are tending to to shift toward, you know, having this, I dare say, content. Uh, it's a version of content, uh, albeit for in, an internal audience. You know, you have to develop that well. It has to have a story. It has to have a purpose, and it has to be something that that you know, you know, so intimately well yourself before you can get others enrolled in that vision. So that's kind of number one. Number two is you got to start before before you need it. So yes, lean on your direct relationships. Yes, start building out your potential like quote unquote org chart. Um, not in any super crazy formal way, but just start thinking about again the things you might want to be doing in terms of major projects to support your brand and grow your audience and add more vitality into the business, identify that in advance. Uh, and I know that's a little bit of a cliche and it pops up in different aspects of life, but if you need it tomorrow, you're starting too late. So start, start that process now so that when you, when you do need to activate, you know, something, um, you know, a potential new role job wreck or something, uh, you have a network more established in that regard.
1: Totally. And you know, one thing you mentioned was like business organization and, creating systems and those kinds of things. And that's one thing that you've been able to bring and inject into what I do very well so that we can scale, so that we can grow. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like me, where when you get started, you kind of just figure things out as you go. You're on your own. It's kind of a Frankenstein contraption that you're creating as you go along. And some of it works, some of it doesn't, but hey, it may help pay the bills a little bit and you're growing slowly. But when you can add a little bit of professionalism and a lot of this organization on top of that, which is a lot of what you brought to the table, Matt. Things can then start to grow, you know, exponentially. And this is this is the difference between you know, in the first few years of my business, generating you know m- mid six figures per year, to now we're in the the millions of dollars per year. And you're somebody who had a major factor in that. So how do you, for this scrappy entrepreneur, begin to inject a little bit of organization? into what you do. And this is this is one of your specialties, Matt, It's just the organizing the thoughts of a business and turning it into something that's manageable and can more easily grow because of that. How do you like where do you begin when you're talking? Uh, to I a, prob- Yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, I start on the finance side. I definitely love and geek out over the numbers, as, as you well know, and in, in my insane spreadsheets, you don't have to Immediately go, however, to, you know, complicated spreadsheets to apply organization and method sort of to your business operations, Uh, though I would start with numbers. I would start with some finance things. Uh, First and foremost, understand your costs. So many freelancers and small businesses that, that I interact with that I try to help in some capacity. Don't really have a good handle on just how much they're spending. So, you know, two basic camps here. One is to organize what would amount to your fixed costs, the things that are either truly, you know, stable costs from month to month or that have very minimal viability to them. You know, sometimes like your utility bills fluctuate a little bit. So figure out what those things are for your business and that establishes sort of, you know, your first baseline Second are your variable costs—the uh, things that are more discretionary spending, the things that your uh, meals and entertainment. Uh, if you travel, if you go to conferences, uh, if if you're coming to FlynnCon, you know all of that would go into sort of a a professional bucket of expenditures, so that you just know truly, okay, what am I spending? Um, and that's sort of in the red, right? That's on that's on one side of the ledger, you know, and the other is certainly revenue. It's the money that you make. Uh, to understand that and to do that purposefully, uh, of course, understand the business that you want to have and make sure that you're building the business you want. Uh, it's really easy to chase dollars, especially in the short term. Uh, mm-hmm. I can definitely speak to that in the services arena. You know, when you think about you know the services space, you think about agencies? Do you think about growing agencies? You know, and I've struggled and made mistakes, you know, in the past, both with winning edits and and the e-commerce agency. It's like, it's, it's easy to grow a new service line just because maybe you have one client asking for it or because it's the hot new trend. But is that, is that really the, the uh, the caliber and the quality of work that we want to be doing? You know, for a brand like SPI, are we, are we investing in the right products? Like, you know, what's the next course that we want to make? Is is this something that adds real value that adds lasting value? So, so structure your revenue streams around the things that you want to be doing and, and how can you add more value over time in those same revenue streams? So for SPI, you know, as we think about podcasting being, you know, a critical kind of pillar to the brand, you know, how can we continue to add value around the skill in, in the podcasting channel, uh, what sorts of new products and experiences can we develop and add a ton of value in that will make a difference in, in the lives of other podcasters and other you know content focused entrepreneurs structure it that way, start having then some basic math, like, okay, this is what I want to charge for this thing. Uh, whether that's a, a service coaching relationship for podcasting, how, how many, Uh, You know, new clients don't need to get at a certain price point. Um, You can plug it into a spreadsheet if you want. Uh, to start to kind of get that structure. And then when you start to marry up those two sides of the ledger, you'll start to figure out your profit. Uh, And I know that Pat, you're a proponent of like the profit first sort of mantra uh, Mm. and methodology. And I know that's taking off more, it's becoming more popular. And and I think that's a really good starting point for folks that maybe get a little bit nervous when they think about like, Oh my goodness, like a P and L what, what is that right? A uh, profit and loss statement. Like, Oh my God, goodness, these, these numbers are scary. Uh, They don't have to be scary and taming anything is what kind of takes the fear out of it. Uh, You got to look at it you got to stare it down a little bit. Um, Start slowly. Think about profit first. Uh, I think especially when you are starting to think about transitioning from maybe side hustle freelancer to full-time freelancer and then maybe from full-time freelancer to a little bit solopreneur starting to work with other people.
1: Can you explain a little bit about what the profit first kind of mindset and principles are?
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, the the common sort of thinking is that you you know you, you take your revenue, you take your expenses and and you hope that you have some some positive number at the end of the day that would represent your your profit, you know, when you subtract your expenses, you know, from your revenue. That's traditional. And that's the traditional approach, um, in the most simple and basic of terms. And what that, uh, at least the argument goes, you know, what that, what that sort of potentially allows for in terms of habits and behaviors, uh, even mindset is a certain maybe disregard for expenses or not being as disciplined with, you know, how you're allocating your expenses, you know, into the business model. Mm -hmm. Uh, it might even sort of, have some perverted incentives uh, oh'm I'm, I'm gonna go to ten conferences a year and spend all this money on airfare to to get there, right because I'm investing in networking and that's true. you need to invest in networking, but that might be sort of a uh, a backwards sort of justification for all of this expenditure, right mm-hmm. so so if you flip that around and you say, okay, if uh, if I am working a, a nine to five day job and I'm really trying to plan my you know my exit from that and I want my side hustle to become my new full-time thing, you know at the end of the day, how much profit do I need to be making as as a business of one to be able to support myself and my family? Okay, I, here is my number. Now, okay, now to get to that number, uh, at least on an annual basis, like if I need to be making a uh, hundred thousand dollars a year okay how do i reach that number well i need to probably be spending a little bit of money to, to do some networking uh and to start you know a business get the legal entity stuff formed i'm um, going to need to be spending some money uh maybe with convertkit or teachable or, or other kind of you know SaaS based software platforms just to help run the business uh other platforms like Harvest or Fle- or FreshBooks for like invoicing if you're in the services space. So so you need to establish your, your your cost basis, but you need to know what your profit number is first, so that again you're supporting your family, and then you kind of kind of you can back into uh, that cost basis number. You can also back into the revenue number. Your revenue number is not going to be your profit number because again you're going to have a cost basis somewhere.
1: Right. It's it's almost like uh, revenue minus profit equals expenses so you kind of build the kind of business that would reflect the kind of money that you need or that you would want um, yeah
0: it's not it's not a sexy term but it's like cost controls so it's like okay if i if i do that equation and i arrive at the, the expense budget right it's like okay that's a that's a constraint i have to operate within that constraint around what choices i'm making uh around those expenses so that i can hit my profit goal
1: right 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 um It's almost like when you are planning for retirement and they always say, like, pay yourself first. So instead of paying the bills after you get your paycheck and then seeing if there's anything left over, you have a little bit of money that you know is going into your own accounts for building your nest egg. And then you pay your bills. So it's kind of like a a reverse kind of way. And I definitely recommend Mm -hmm. reading uh, the book by uh, Mike uh, Michalowicz, I think is his last name. And um, a lot of people in my accelerator program are really enjoying that sort of process. And it, it's, it's kind of one of my top recommended books for last year that I read. Um, now, when it comes to another thing that you helped add value in with with what I do is not just organization of just the business and the finances and how that's all run, which again has been just massively game changing, but also just how projects have been completed. And you brought something into my life that I'd never done before, which is sprint planning. And I'd love for you to explain to somebody who, like I said, is a scrappy entrepreneur or they got a small team and they kind of work on a, well, let's just take it as we go kind of thing. How do we migrate from that sort of feel and approach to what it is that's called sprint? Like, where did that come from and, and how is that implemented?
0: Yeah. So this is then geeking out on the operational side for sure. And the sprint planning process comes from the world of agile, agile software development that um, I'm betting a lot of listeners have, have heard before. If you've read Eric Reese's book, you know the Lean Startup. Um, it's this concept of breaking down what you want to accomplish, whether it's a web project, a content project, uh, just building any sort of maybe information product, uh, product into smaller component parts, and then being uh, being able to sequence those into a set unit of time uh, interval. So we use two week sprints so that you can have more focused, me- measurable progress. You you minimize your sense of overwhelm or the team's overwhelm. You can have more progress. You can be more flexible even through that process where, you know, in the first sprint or two things are getting accomplished. But you get you know those built-in feedback loops. You can be more uh, I dare say agile, which is probably where you know more of the term comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, responsive to that feedback and, and adaptability to creating creating that end product. So when we think about especially again with how flexible and adaptable we can be. Uh, With content, with podcasts, with blog posts, uh, with even the creation of, uh, again, the information products that we do, an iterative-based methodology to organize the work, organize the people, the staff, uh, keep them aligned, promote high-touch communication communication. Uh, you know, this two week process uh, and it can be one week, it can be four weeks, but we've found that two weeks works well for us. Uh, it promotes that that caliber of productivity uh, and closeness within the culture uh, that we need to be successful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've found that or I have found that just we're able to produce a lot more stuff when we break it down and we have a different things that happen within a larger project happening in a shorter time period and we know who's responsible for what and, and, and those kinds of things and that's been really helpful and so like can we just go over an example of how one might approach the creation of, a, of an online course and we'll have Jana on later uh, in the in the year to talk about the more specifics of project management which is what she's on board uh, on team flynn to do but this really stems from from you and I'd love to know, like, okay, let's say that we are creating an online course and we've validated it. We've, you know, talked to people about it. Maybe we even, for example, pre-sold it, but we want to build it now and create it and then launch it. Um, how might you approach that in a sprint-like manner?
0: Yeah, certainly. So there's the concept of the beta group and the beta tester that may not even need to have all of the content available. You know, uh, for that group in terms of a beta release or a beta rollout so we can structure our sprints to accommodate maybe a smaller portion of the overall curriculum or, or the overall content experience that we need to create. We can chunk that down further into certainly the different aspects, you know, of an integrated media Experience like an online course. So that's the video production that you and Caleb run with uh, a whole bunch Developing off the scripts doing the the raw video recording before production and post-production uh, We can break out the copywriting for the landing page and for uh, the email launch uh, Components for a nurture funnel if we have a nurture funnel uh, We can break out the graphics certainly in all the branding that we do for the courses uh, and making sure that that's really tied into uh, the brand identity uh, across the board for for SPI. Um, we can find all those individual items. We can put those into individual backlogs per person or per functional group. So again, for the content team that's doing most of the copywriting, for the uh, creative uh, design team that's doing all the graphics and the branding production, for the videography team, which is chiefly you uh, and Caleb and his team. Um, so we have the individual backlogs of all the uh, the work scope that needs to get done. And then we can plot that against, you know, those time intervals and we can shorten those time intervals and how many we need. Again, if we're doing more of a phased rollout where it's a beta group and then, and then we go prime time later. Um, and that, that even packs up further, like we just did with, um, with Amped Up podcasting, right? In Q4 of 2018, where, where we did a pre sale. Uh, which was great. Uh, certainly the course wasn't even fully done at that point. So we were able to compress uh, within a sm- much smaller sprint window all that we need to get done just to support the the pre-launch component uh, and then mature that forward in future sprints to get ready for the beta
1: launch. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the tools that a person might be able to use to help them with this kind of management and this level of sort of integration uh, in, in terms of detail for, for these projects and these sprints?
0: Yeah, in terms of, say, software tools, Trello is a fantastic starting point. Uh, It's built around what's called a Kanban concept, where you can build lists of uh, which would amount to backlogs of different work scope. You can force rank that uh, based on your priority, simple drag and drop, and it's free. So I still love Trello, uh, and and we use Trello still within the team uh, to, to organize your sprint boards and your, your sprint plans. Uh, if you want to kind of an upgrade experience, we have certainly geeked out a, a whole bunch on Airtable. It's a spreadsheet on steroids. You're going to do some amazing, powerful things with it. Uh, it's definitely a more sort of complex system, uh, and you you do have to pay for it. Uh, but we have used that very efficiently for, uh, for what we do in terms of our uh, almost multi-generational planning. So so we do try to plan ahead not just really one sprint at a time but really have a vision and a, an a intentionality to what is what is the first quarter you know and, and what's coming up on the horizon. Certainly, you know, Pat, you know, when we talk about Flynncon and everything that's involved there, we have multiple sprints starting to get sort of stitched together it can still be flexible as the sprints rolls uh, roll along and, and as sprints get complete and, and that's a big part of their value. But nonetheless is what we have a roadmap We, we know what we want to go and we know uh, At least with with some really good and well-conceived hypotheses What we want to create can be nimble as we go, but we we have that that structure So that we can hit the target and say for Flincon, we know that that's coming at the end of July Here's everything we need to get done between now and then. It's modularized so that we can be adaptable to feedback, but nonetheless, we're going to hit the
1: target. Right. And it just shows you, like, when it comes to. So, first of all, there's a number of things that happen consistently every sprint, right? There's a certain number of podcast episodes that need to go out, which means there's certain people involved with editing at certain times and not, you know, Behind that, there's, you know, a time when we plan what those episodes are and all those kinds of things. Those are, those are sort of ongoing things that insert themselves into every sprint, certain emails that go out, et cetera. But then for the, for the particular projects, that's where breaking things down ahead of time. So you, you want to build an online course. Okay. Let's, let's, let's see all that needs to be done. Let's chunk them and let's determine when those chunks are going to be taken care of and who's responsible for those pieces. And that way you can actually start to begin to make process. What I found really nice about this sort of sprint, the the two-week sprint process, is like we know if we accomplish what we need to do within those two weeks that we are making progress. And so by the time it reaches the end of that project, we know we'll we'll have met that that time frame. Um, And of course, no, not everybody gets everything done within every sprint. But by having those sprints stack like that, we can say, okay, we were a little behind on our work on the first sprint so let's play catch up on the second one so we can be on track for the third one and it's just really nice to have it all spatially laid out like that versus the way that i used to approach these kinds of things was like okay i have this big giant project that i know needs to be done um and i thought i was smart by just going okay i'm just going to work on the next step and and hopefully it gets done by the certain day and uh, as long as i focus on the next step it'll get done as soon as it as it can um, which, I mean, is a better approach than just like, hey, I'm just going to let this sit here and do nothing, but not as great as planning it out to this level.
0: Yeah, precisely. Uh, it's it's about getting ahead and hopefully staying ahead uh, and doing so within a a set of constraints and a set of norms that promotes, uh, obviously, a, a healthy culture. Uh, it doesn't uh, burn anyone out. It is open and honest uh, and promoting a feedback uh, there might be a couple questions, uh, that might be popping into people's minds, such as, do we use points, you know, to structure our, our sprints, which comes from, uh, the, the, the true sort of implementation of an agile oriented model. Uh, we do not use points, uh, at least not yet. Uh, um, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, so, so normally what we would do, especially if you had a, a devoted team. So again, agile comes from the software development world. Right. So your, so your software team, uh, Say it's in-house or it's just a fully, you know, contracted though fully full-time devoted team. Uh, that team that that t- the team together has a fixed capacity. Um, you can think of it in hours. That's a decent starting point to understand what is this team capable of doing within your fixed unit of time. So, okay, we have a team. We have eight people on the team. How much work can they do within a two-week period? You can quantify that. You can work to quantify that, right? Uh, and again, hours is a, is a good starting point. And then sort of a, a more mature point from there, uh, there forward is to points, which is a more arbitrary unit of measurement that still has relative sizing. So that, hey, this thing that we want to do, the team would say, okay, we're going to size that at a five. And this other thing in relation to the five, that feels bigger. We think that's an eight, uh, so the really the the end of the spectrum, the more extreme end of the agile planning spectrum, uh, in terms of uh, sprint planning, is to get to a point where you essentially have a budget per sprint of 200 points, and then we're going to spend those 200 points on these items in the backlog that have been sized. Right? Uh, we're not fully there yet. We'll see if we ever get there. Uh, we're obviously being successful, sort of operating more sort of on t-shirt sizes, small, medium, large sort of stuff, as well as Pat, you know, what you said is there's a certain continuity to the things that we already create. So the podcast episodes, sprint over sprint, the blog post sprint over sprint, we sort of know what the size of those things are. We know how much effort it takes, Mm -hmm. but you know, when we do, do the bigger projects, there's sort of an internal conversation that happens around like, okay, how much can we truly fit into a given sprint just based on sheer capacity? Um, that is a much much more mature concept. If ever, anyone loves just learning about that stuff, uh, there's a lot of resources out on the web about it. Uh, again, I love Eric's stuff, Eric Reese's stuff. So start with start with his stuff. Um, that's for down the road, but it is exciting, especially if you learn out over numbers and capacity planning, sort of in the same vein of like just financial forecasting. You can plug a lot of this stuff into a spreadsheet, do some cool math on it, and start to see whether or not you're making smart decisions as a business owner and as a leader you know, to, to lead your team in a direction that, again, you're maximizing really on their talents, but yes, within the constraints of their capability uh, and, their, and their capacity.
1: So, guys, you can tell that Matt's at, like, another level here. Um, And I I just want to be honest with you guys. Like, this kind of stuff that Matt's talking about, like, the points and just, like, the level of detail that Matt can get with the whole planning process of projects and all this stuff and uh, finances and his love for spreadsheets and stuff. Like, I do not ever personally want to do those things. It just bores me. It's scary to me. I feel like if I just change one number, everything like will break. And I, I know a lot of you feel the same way, but here's the other truth about this. There are people like Matt that exist out there who love that, who that's just what the kind of world they live in. And they they, they want to serve business owners like us because they just geek out over this stuff. And when you can align your mission and your goals and your big ideas with their detailed ability to create and to support, I mean, it's a match made in heaven. That's why Matt and I have worked so well together. So, man, I hope you don't take offense to me saying that. Like, that stuff bores me to death. And I would never, mm-hmm. like, want to, like, read about those things. I, I hope, I don't know. I, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. But I, I think for me, and you know me, I'm an idea guy. I'm an entrepreneur I and, and not the kind of entrepreneur that likes to get into the weeds of things. I, I just want to build and serve and create and... All this other stuff scares me, which is probably why it's taken so long for me to hire people and get to this point. Um, But what are are your thoughts on that?
0: I I am not offended at all. Uh, I take it as a compliment (laughs) because like I I could maybe I will write a book on this stuff one day Uh, because a lot of the people listening to this don't fit into one mold, right? Please take a personality test. It, you know, if you haven't, go to 16personalities.com, uh, number one six uh, personalities.com. It's built off of the Myers Briggs personality concept. It's free. It's it's fun. They have little avatar characters for all your all the different personality um, I guess, types. And get to know yourself. You know, when we think about you know leadership, it starts with uh, it starts with self-awareness, right? And and do you understand your strengths? Do you understand certain blind spots? Um, so when we think about entrepreneurship, Pat, you know, we're both entrepreneurs, uh, we're both leaders, but just in different ways, right? You you have talents that I don't have. I have talents, I think that you don't have. Um, and that's, that's where the magic comes from. Can you, can you build partnerships? Can you build alliances? Can you build teams that plays to different people's strengths? Can you, can you create a symphony, right? Can can you orchestrate something, uh, that's beautiful and that adds value and that can grow and expand as you add, as you add like almost new instruments, you know, into the mix. Uh, Mm -hmm. and you can only do that if you think, uh, first about truly understanding yourself, what you want to do, how you, how you think about business, um, how you, how you, how you are motivated, uh, intrinsically and extrinsically. So, you know, to be told that, you know, I'm, I'm the nerd guy with spreadsheets. Like that's a compliment because that's who I am. That's how I'm hardwired. You know, at, at FlynnCon, you're going to be on stage for two days. Like that would absolutely drive me into the ground. Um, I love, be love being more behind the stage, right. Uh, behind the scenes, um, still being a leader, still having a really big influence on the thing, but I don't, I don't need to be the guy on stage. That's not, that's not me as much. So, Uh, yeah. So for, for folks out there, uh, and I definitely champion, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, if this speaks to you, that if you love being the operations guy, if you love being the finance guy, there is a big future there. Uh, and more and more entrepreneurs, other entrepreneurs, you know, need that help. So it's not always about being, you know, the social media influencer or, or, you know, the person on stage. Those are amazing things. If, if you sort of naturally align yourself to that, but if you don't, like, please, you know, join my party. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's 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 cool to just to be the, the, the nerd with the numbers.
1: Right. Right. And and there's a number of different names for people like that, that I just want to make sure people know in case they're looking for people like you who can help manage and project manage and, and, and de- develop the systems and, and things like that, which are, um you know, sometimes they're known as project managers. Sometimes they're known as um what do they call OBSs or what does that stand for? I can't remember like operations and I'm business, drawing a blank on something. that one. Um, it, it's in know, the op
0: space for sure. Yeah, yeah
1: operations, business operations. You know, that those that's the kind of terminology because some of us, and I know a lot of you are in my camp, which is you just want to help people and you want to create, but all this other stuff is is sort of a hassle and it's holding you back. So sometimes the answer is to find that pe- that person, and you know, it took me years. But, um, and I, and I continued to grind in the beginning until I found people who could help and compliment who, uh, I saw there was value in, in what they were what uh, you know, what, what, I was paying them and I was getting much more ROI as a result. Um, and you know, the big announcement today is, is really the fact that, you know, I've been working just as a solopreneur on paper for the last 10 years, 10 years of business. I am, or had been the only employee for Flynn industries for 10 years, the team That you know and that you've heard about had always been through matt's agency winning edits but starting this year january 1st so by the time you're all listening to this um winning edits is is no longer because i've essentially hired matt's entire team and matt uh to come on as legit employees with like you know all the things that come along with that um and, and, and there's a lot trust me because we're, we're we've been doing the transition for the last few months now and there's so much paperwork especially when you hire people from different uh different states and um you know we're doing some other cool things stuff that i've always wanted to do but was very scared to do but i think i'm at a time in business now 10 years later where it's time to step up it's time to put my big boy pants on and things have been working really well i've made you know over six million dollars online kind of doing it this way um But I want to go bigger and not just bigger for revenue purposes. That's not even the the primary reason or not even near the top. It's it's to help more people to start to establish myself as a bigger online brand for the purposes of my ultimate goal, which is to help with kids and entrepreneurship and education. And this is the team that I know that can help take us there. Um, It's to help more people build more businesses so they can change the world in their own special way, too. Um, So I think it's perfect time. Ten years, FlynnCon coming. We have some bigger projects on on the horizon as well, and more people to serve. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm also very thankful that I'm able to at this point in life support the team with things like healthcare and dental and vision, and you know a 401k plan and part time off and you know, s- you know team members and yourself, Matt. You're like having kids and stuff, and so it's like very special that I feel like I can take care of you guys with the business that was once just almost an accidental entrepreneurial you know, effort back when I first started back in 2008 after getting laid off. And so I just, I just wanted to publicly announce that and let you all know that you're going to hear from more of the team now that officially they're team members now, although they were always known as team Flynn. And yes, you guys are also known as team Flynn. We're all in this together, but you know, it always felt weird. Like I I wanted to always throw like a company party or hold a retreat, but it wasn't ever my team. It was your team, Matt. And and, you know, I, I wanted to offer bonuses, but like, that's not my right to do it is kind of now because now you're all employees, but now there's like added pressure. Now there's, you know, families that I have to take care of. So I think it's going to help push me to where I need to go to do what I, what I want to do and and serve our mission together. So just thank you, Matt. And, and hopefully, you know, this inspires everybody who's listening to this to realize that like, I, I'm just learning as I go with you and I'm trying to grow and get bigger. And, um, you know, I feel like this is the right time to pull the trigger on this. And, uh, it doesn't happen overnight this is 10 years in the making and and you're all listening to it now and matt i'm I'm thankful that you're you know one of the first to come on from the team the official team to uh share a little bit about what you do and your superpowers and um you know you coming on as the cefo and coo uh chief financial officer and chief operating officer uh, and big special shout out to michael hyatt who is a big inspiration for me to go in this direction as well i've just seen what his team and what he's been able to do uh and and i, I and i want to follow his footsteps. So um Matt, just want to say thank you any any words or thoughts related to, to all that. I know that was a lot. Yeah,
0: it's it's tremendously exciting uh gratifying and probably mostly just um just a humble moment uh for me and, and certainly for the team cuz uh sort of as we've talked about today, we didn't necessarily know. I didn't necessarily know it was going to lead to this tremendous moment, right? Uh, But it it naturally, I think, led there. And you have always been First and foremost, uh, a friend, but but also our best client. We've we've done the most innovative, challenging, rewarding work for you, and and ultimately for the SBI community. And are just so so inspired by all the folks out there that that we've been able to play some small role in, and, and will continue to to now play a larger role in. So, you know, going through you know uh, an acquisition transition like we are uh, is, is a big deal. Uh, the team is so excited and to be able to grow a company and have these components where, you know, that's, it's the boring stuff maybe to, to many, but as you mentioned, healthcare and other forms of benefits, uh, just being able to be able to provide that future, right. Is, is to me as a, a more than anything, hopefully a, a servant leader for the team. Cause, cause the team is, is so great. Uh, it, it's, it's a, a great moment for all of us and it's the dawn of uh, I think a, a tremendous and, and bright, uh, or just even brighter future for, for SPI. And I'm honored to be a part of it.
1: Thank you, Matt. Guys, I have a real company now. Like it really feels like, not that I didn't have before, but for those of you listening, especially those of you who've been listening and following since the beginning, I mean, this is, this is a huge moment. I'm, uh, I, I, I didn't think there was any better way to share this moment than with, um, all of you here on the podcast and, and with Matt on, on board with us too, uh, during this chat and I'm looking forward to highlighting Matt more and, and having him show up and, and teach. He has a lot of knowledge, as you can tell, that would be really useful for many of you, and that's a lot of knowledge that I I don't know how to teach or don't even know at all, which is obviously why Matt's there, and many other members of the team are going to come up and be on the show and be featured. You'll see Matt at Flynn con, and it's just going to be a great environment, and I'm, I'm just excited to welcome everybody on board officially as members of Team Flynn and, and Flynn Industries, LLC, and Uh, For those of you listening, big momentous moment, and and you are here to hear it. And uh, first time we've publicly announced this. So um, that's right. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Very scared, very nervous, but very thrilled and excited. And you know, all the best things that have happened in my past have always been in and around nervousness and excitement and a little bit of fear. And I think that's a sign that this is, you know, we're heading in the right direction. And you know, my my biography, which uh, you know will maybe be written someday. Um, I feel like we're just in the first few pages right now because we've got a lot more to do and a lot more people to, to help. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to have more people on board to be a part of that story with me too.
0: Exactly. And, and if I may, Pat, forgive me, but, uh, to riff on something there at the end, um, uh, I want to acknowledge you because it's, it is a truly momentous, significant moment for you and to have seen your growth as, as a leader. And as a CEO, we talked about the CEO mindset a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It, it has just see, seeing that and working with you through this process. It's been just really rewarding and inspiring to me to have seen your growth uh, and not just from maybe the last few months, but, you know, our, our whole tenure working together. So um, just want to acknowledge you uh, and, and thank you, you know, for, for everything that obviously now sort of exists before us.
1: Yeah. And, and, and to finish off and thank you, Matt, for that. I, uh, I appreciate that. For those of you listening, you might be like, well, what's what's going to happen now? What, what's going to change with Pat? And I think there really isn't anything you have to worry about. If anything, having the team on board now fully means that I will be able to devote more time to thinking about ways that I can serve you and ways that I can extend this mission, ways that I can actually execute on it, and opportunity to think even bigger. So if anything, it's all positive. And I'm again very excited about uh, having the team s- to support all this. Um, but hey, thank you all so much for listening and Matt, thank you for being here today uh and and sharing. Do you mind if we get you back on the show later on? Perhaps we can actually even ask people now that they know your superpowers and kind of what you're involved with in the business. Maybe on the comment section or on Twitter or Instagram at Pat Flynn, you can comment with maybe a question or things that perhaps you want to hear more from related to what Matt does in the business. And we can bring them on uh, the show again to talk more about those finer details of whatever it is you might have questions about in terms of finances, operation, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So let me know in the comment section of this uh, podcast episode or on Twitter or on Instagram at Pat Flynn. And Matt, where can where can people like reach you in case they have a question for you uh, if you don't mind them reaching out to you in some way, shape or form?
0: Not at all. At Matt Gartland on, on Twitter is probably best uh, for, you know, quick questions and things. Uh, my last name has a T in it. Sometimes that gets forgotten. G-A-R-T-L-A-N-D. Uh, but otherwise, tons of fun coming on the show. Would love to come back.
1: Cool, man. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you. And uh, I'll see you on the next Sprint call.
0: <laughs> that sounds great. Right. Thanks, buddy.
1: Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed that uh, rather meaty conversation today with Matt Gartland who now you know is the CFO, COO, Chief of Operations in the brand. Um, I love the analogy that he often uses, which he didn't bring in today, but uh, I loved it. And hopefully it helps paint a picture of the kind of things that you should be creating uh, and can inspire can aspire to. And the analogy that he likes to use all the time is that of, you know, if you're watching the news, for example, you see the guy or the gal reporting the news and that's the voice you're hearing, that's the personality, and they are the ones who are front-facing. Um, Matt is sort of like the guy who's behind the scenes running the show. They are touching the knobs and hitting the computer buttons and, and all those things, and, and I just only have to worry about delivering that value to you, the viewer, or in this case, the listener, and the team in the engine is all running underneath. And no, it didn't happen overnight. Like I said, it's been 10 years in the making to get to this point, but I feel like I'm putting my big my big boy pants on. You know, we got a lot of big boy pants... Uh, things happening this year from FlynnCon, and again if those of you are interested uh, and if there are tickets still available now would be the time to get it so if you want to check out FlynnCon and meet matt and several other of the team members they are going to be there to support that event and to support you uh you can check it out dot onecom and uh, we are right in the middle of planning all that and making it special for every attendee There, uh, family-friendly event no uh, alcohol sanctioned by the event and it's going to be amazing unlike any conference you've ever been to, and it's largely due to Matt and the other team members, us putting our heads together to create an amazing experience everywhere we touch, the blog, the podcast, the YouTube channel, and especially at FlynnCon when we see you in person in San Diego in July. So again, FlynnCon1.com. And hey, I appreciate you so much for listening all the way through. Let me know what you think. What do you think of this move? I know it's a serious move. Now I have actual employees that I need to take care of. And yeah, I kind of was taking care of them before in a way, but now it's like, Like, there's a lot of weight on my shoulder. And you know what? I love that. I think it's about time. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, at Pat Flynn, or if you'd like to shoot me a message, uh, just leave a comment on the blog. And all the links and stuff are there as well at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 354. Cheers. I appreciate you so much. Make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Team Flynn for the win. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.